the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for listening and please subscribe. We'd love to have you hang around and keep an eye out for our rebrand, which is coming up in a matter of several weeks. We hope you'll watch for that because it's going to be really exciting. Today is exciting because I'm introducing you to a writer on Substack. I find Substack the best place to find the most thoughtful writers, intelligent, creative, unique perspectives, honest brokers. And this is one of them. Her name is Jenny Holland. She has dual citizenship with the United States and not Holland, (laughs) but Ireland. So she's living in Ireland now after being educated there, but coming back to New York where one of her parents is from. And she's really just a fascinating person with a really common sense, honest take on what we're seeing in this crazy world around us. Her Substack to me is a must read. I read her, I read Barry Weiss, uh, the free press religiously because they are just common sense and they, they're not afraid. So I strongly encourage you after you listen to Jenny Holland to go check out her Substack. You will not be disappointed. Coming up, someone I'm really excited to introduce you to, Jenny Holland. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Jenny Holland, it's great to have you. I am a fan of your work, and it's interesting. You're living over there in Ireland with your son. Yes. You're an American also. Uh, yes. you, you, I'm, I'm guessing you have dual citizenship, yeah? I do. I do, which so is fantastic. You, yeah, it is. And your perspective is really interesting. And, and the stuff you write, it's, it, it, it demonstrates that. One of the things that I want to touch on with you is your most recent piece. The mainstream media is now mostly just social and a social engineering enterprise. You watch some of these Twitter hearings that I saw as well. Yeah. What struck you most about what you saw? I think the uh, most upsetting thing for me was the total lack of good faith um, objectivity uh, by the uh, Democrats on the panel. Um, And I say this as someone who never voted for a Republican um, until Joe Joe Biden ran for president. Um, I, you know, was never, never even conceived of supporting a Republican. Um, I I was never registered Democrat or Republican in New York State. I was registered independent. But, um, you know, they were just the boogeyman. What, What seems to have happened in the last 10 years and accelerated massively in the last like four is that they've essentially seemed to have switched sides. The uh, what I perceive to be the sort of more 
um, uh, st st standing up for the little guy, um, fairness and equality for all has seemed to switch to the least of the more populist Republicans and the Democrats have literally just driven off a cliff of insanity. I, I can't I, I can't believe what I see. Um, I, I don't know where the grownups have gone. They just seem to have completely vanished. As Although they're all aging, they don't seem to be getting any wiser or more mature. So that the kind of like snide, um, dismissive, uh, just really just unpleasant behavior that they showed, the women especially, the men were kind of hedging their bets slightly. Um, but Wasserman Schultz accusing them of profiting, um, it, just, I, it just was really depressing to watch. And it really drove home the fact that um, the, the, the political establishment on the left, the progressive liberal left, has completely lost all credibility, in my opinion. Well, clearly my dog Jersey agrees with you because he's <laughs> chiming in right at the right moment. He he dogs, is he was very sense. disturbed. <laughs> they do. And he was you know, I think I I think what I found most disturbing, and it was in a couple of hearings, not just the, the Twitter file hearings, but there was a, a House subcommittee hearing on energy. And I know this sounds really in the weeds and and too complicated, but Corey Bush, a congresswoman from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, called one of the experts a so-called expert. And you yeah. saw that in the Twitter hearings as well. They called Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger so-called journalists. I think this is a tactic that they are using yes. to try to sort of trivialize these people who yes. have done a lot of work. And it, it's, uh, frankly, I would call them so-called Congress people. I mean, yeah. they, they don't seem to have any respect for anyone who is... They sounded just so elitist in yes. that way. And I think that's what's driving some people to feel exactly as you do. Yeah. Who's representing the common man or the average right. guy? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think. So. The, yeah. No, go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The 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 leadership or the or the, the paid employees of the Democratic establishment. And, and it's not just Democrats. I, I don't think um, I don't think they're the only ones to blame here, but they're the most uh, vocal the, the, the paid leadership, the paid apparatchniks, as I always call them, um, they they yes. throw those terms around as a tactic to uh, discredit and demoralize yes. the their yes. their political opponents. Um, but what I've also noticed amongst just regular liberals, you know, sort of upper middle class, professional managerial class liberals is that they are very much enthralled to that idea of credentialism. And it's one of the most annoying um, aspects of liberal intelligentsia is that they, they, they have, they, they really no longer can see quality. They can only see uh, degrees or other markers of prestige. And it doesn't matter if the actual product or the person is clearly inept or clearly lying or clearly subpar. None of that matters. What matters is, did you go to the right university? Did you go to the right company? Do you have the right friends? Um, and it's, 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 it's elitist in the sense of like, you imagine something from a Jane Austen novel. I mean, it's not, it's not the world I remember from 20 years ago because I was in, at least on the periphery, I don't want to make myself sound grandiose, but I was in the sort of in the mix of those the, the New York City liberal media intelligentsia, and I don't rem remember them being like that. They were seemed quite sane and, and normal and relatively down to earth. 
Um, and now I don't recognize, I don't see any of that any longer. Yeah. I, it seems to me that some of those who were classical liberals, like say yes. like a Bill Maher, uh, you know, a Michael Schellenberger, there's classic liberalism and now there's illiberalism, which I think is yeah. what you're referring to. These people who are, are on board and they worship at the altar of climate, gender, yeah. and diversity, equity, inclusion. These things that aren't like seemingly real world important issues. I'm not trying to belittle any of them, but yeah. we've got China to worry about. We've got a war going on. Our border is porous. The economy keeps taking hits left and right. We've just had a couple of banks fail. And you want us to talk about diversity, equity, not equality, equity right. and inclusion. Yeah. How long do you think this is going to last? Do you think this kind of these these values of the illiberal class, I will call them, are are sustainable. They're, they're, they've never been sustainable. Uh, that's the only, the only reason they still exist is because they're propped up by corruption and malfeasance, um, and 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 a lot you know and a lot of people sort of in the squishy middle who don't want to stick their head above the parapet and say, actually, this is nuts. I can't I I'm, I can't take this anymore. Um, I, I think if any of these institutions had to stand on merit or on their own two feet um, or on a level playing field, they would collapse. I mean, I guess I go switch between optimism and dire pessimism. But I do think that I don't think it can go on much longer. I it, things have become so extreme that I think this must be the death throes. Um, it's like the, rot, the the fruit is fully rotten and is really about to fall off the tree. I, I can't see how suddenly we go from being a semi-normal society to accepting men dressed as prostitute women gyrating in the faces of, of three-year-olds, and that's completely normal. Like, I don't see how that is going to really wash throughout the country. Um, it, it's already, I mean, I know that there's certainly a large segment of the population that is continuing to tell themselves the lie that this is completely fine and it's absolutely nothing to do with grooming and how dare you even suggest that but i think for most people they can still connect to their inner sense their inner common sense and they're like wait a minute no absolutely not hard pass um and the more people kind of peel away because they're listening to their common sense the the, the shakier the ground that these institutions are on I, I do worry, though, like, what's it going to look like when it all falls apart? Like, I worry about that. So if you're tired of looking tired, I think I've got a solution for you. Let me tell you about my skincare secrets. I'm excited to share these with you because I really believe in them. Genucel Skincare is an amazing antioxidant-based skincare company that's made and manufactured right here in the USA. Formulated by a pharmacist with quality ingredients, their products are sure to smooth out fine lines and wrinkles while preventing new ones from forming. Now, my personal favorite is this deep sea cleanser. It is soap free. I said soap free. It feels so good to wash your face with this. Your skin ends up feeling fresh and clear and ready for whatever else you want to put on it, like a serum or a moisturizer. And Genucel's got everything you need. Right now, save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package just in time for the warm spring weather. Featuring Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative, safe on your skin in the summer sun. And Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark 
marks and sunspots from long summer days outside. Plus, you'll get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness that we all want to get rid of. And with its immediate effects, see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Don't wait. Visit GenuCell.com slash Michelle to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. Yummy. That's two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to GenuCell.com slash Michelle. It's one L M I C H E L E. GenuCell, G E N U C E L dot com slash Michelle. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, so let me read a couple lines at the beginning of your your piece in praise of ordinary men. You said, a few weeks ago, I was scrolling mindlessly on Instagram, my number one favorite way to relax, when I came upon the following quote. De Boivier told us the reason women can't see our oppression is because unlike other minority groups, we live lives entirely entwined with our oppressors and it all seems normal. I save the post because it is such a perfect summation of why I am not, nor ever really have been, a feminist. Explain that. What do you mean? Um, I think feminism uh, appeals to uh, young women in particular because I think every human, men and women alike, go through that that youthful uh, phase of lack of wisdom and lack of understanding of human nature and human behavior and your own behavior. Um, And I think... Feminism does that, but also then adds this idea that women are perpetual victims. And that's never, ever been my reality. From the minute and hour I I can remember, um, the men in my family and the men in my life were just, they just weren't oppressors. And I would look around me and I didn't really see any oppressors either. Now, that's not to deny the very real uh, history of violence. And I I say that in that piece. And my my father, who was a, a... quite a well-known Irish writer. He actually wrote a book, literally wrote the book on misogyny and, and I've read it. It's a fantastic book. It's not that misogyny doesn't exist. It's that to flatten it all out and to say that men are the oppressors and women are the oppressed and specifically women are oppressed because of our bodies and our biologies just doesn't reflect reality. I think human relationships, especially the interdependency between a man and a woman is so much more complex than that. And there's moments where a man will be more powerful and there's moments when a woman will be more powerful. That's always been my experience. I think women have a set of tools that render men quite helpless. And I'm not talking about like, you know, sexy times. I'm, I'm talking about we have <laughs> emotional arsenal that men really can't 
fight back against the majority of times. And they, I just, maybe it's just, I grew up with a lot of real powerful and ball busting women, but which is definitely possible. I mean, that, that was yeah. my reality. Um, but even in my mom's family, my mother is one of seven girls and three boys. And their father was extremely devout Catholic. He would, what we, we would call now a trad Catholic. Um, you know, they, they, they lived in accordance to the sort of doctrine of holy poverty. And he was very, like, if, if there was ever a patriarch, it would have been my grandfather. And yet he was completely run roughshod by the, over by the fact that he had seven daughters who, you know, grew up in the 60s <laughs> and everyone turned into a hippie and no, everyone stopped going to church. And I mean, they're just, it just is not as simple as saying that women's, w- women's bodies and women have been only oppressed. Men have also been oppressed. Men's, mm-hmm. me, men's bodies have also been co-opted. Men's bodies have been brutalized. Men's bodies have been abused and enslaved for sexual reasons and for labor, mostly for labor. And we just completely write that off and pretend like it never happened. It's funny because I recently, and I've always been an atheist, my whole life I've been an atheist, but I recently started reading a little bit of the Bible and I had never, it had never struck me before, but when Eve eats the fruit, and God says that you, your, your punishment will be labor pains. That's always referenced, right, by the inherent, you know, as an example of the inherent misogyny of, of right. religion. Um, but what does he say to Adam? Your punishment is you will toil in the fields. You know, men, men and women have, have been working and, and suffering in tandem, hand in hand throughout humanity. It's it's it, yeah. to say to say that it's it's only women and women are have a particularly hard time. I just don't think it's entirely fair. We have a hard time in very unique ways that men don't experience, but men also suffer, and they also suffer yeah. great injustice. And and what do you men suffer great injustice? Yeah, yes, they they and have. What I mean, do you yeah. what do you? Sp- Go ahead. What are you specifically well, referring to? I think that, and this goes back to the sort of our, our social justice warrior um, takeover of dominant culture. Uh, we forget that um, men have been uh, used as cannon fodder. Men have been used as, you know, indentured servitude and backbreaking labor. And that all of our creature comforts that we all enjoy now rest literally on the labor of men. And a few years ago, if you're going back, you might remember during Me Too and just before Me Too, there was a lot of this stuff about the women's emotional labor and how suddenly we're supposed to be paid or, or somehow compensated for our, having to explain things to men. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I get that. I, I've done that many times. I understand that's frustrating. But I'd rather have emotional labor than breaking rocks or you know laying a rail, r- railroad track. You brought up labor pains for women. And I read recently that there is this effort to grow babies in plastic bags, essentially that I think it was done with a sheep or a lamb that they managed to put an embryo in a, I say plastic bag, you get the idea in some sort of uh, replacement for a, for a uterus. And, and, and young ladies were asked, young women, God, hope I didn't offend anyone by saying ladies, (laughs) young women were asked about this what they thought of it. And and some young women said, finally, we'll be equal to men. We don't have to give birth to me. That's so, first of all, you're avoiding pain uh, in one of the most unbelievable acts that a woman can perform that a human can. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing this to level the playing field. 
It's the same. I mean, this is what, this is part of what nature determined women can do <laughs> and women have the honor and the privilege of doing. I, you know, I, I, I've given birth. You've given birth. I wouldn't say it was easy, but I certainly wouldn't trade it for anything. What, no, what do you no. make of this idea that, that, that people want such, it's almost as though they want to erase any differences between men and women. Right. Right. Um, it, it's, it's the, the idea itself is so dystopian and horrifying. Um, and that, so that's one thing it, it truly is stuff, the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. What's, what's demoralizing is that we have somehow raised a generation of young women to think that that's a good thing and not a huge threat to humankind, but first and foremost, us. Um, because I think, let's just say culture, let's not blame anyone for this, but what culture seems to have done is it's, t it's taken this idea that, you know, you know, women weren't allowed to vote and we weren't allowed to have property and we're not to get divorced and all these genuine injustices. Right. Um, and they've built this uh, narrative on top of that, which is women are chattel chattel. And we, we, we will, because of our role as wives and mothers, those, th those were, the centers of our oppression. And we need to throw that away so that we can be liberated to go work in a corporate job. Okay, whatever. Obviously that makes no sense, but um, that seems to have really taken root. That idea seems to have really taken root and nothing wrong with working and working. <laughs> Trust me. It's great. I loved it. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a wonderful thing to do. Um, yes. But this idea that women's biology is oppressive is uh, not just incorrect, it's misogyny in it's, it's, it, it is misogynistic. Somehow women have, have, we've allowed ourselves to be told that, you know, what is actually our greatest strength is our greatest weakness. It's like this crazy mind trick that's been played on an entire generation, if not two of women. Um, we've also taken away the sense of any kind of traditional parenting um, any kind of like common sense parenting so that women, young women and, and girls even are that given this idea that being a mother is just so hard and you have to give up everything about your life and everything about yourself and in service to this horrible old tyrant that just like makes noise all the time and never is grateful. And I always think it's like the same if you, if you constantly have problems with men and if you constantly have problems with your children, maybe you need to like, you know, check some attitudes and lay down the law. <laughs> you know, yeah. We have it the might not be them. It might not be them. Uh, and especially with ch children, um, you know, children are so, they're fantastic. They're amazing. They're fascinating. Um, but if they're behaving like little jerks, you know, you, you have it in your power to correct that behavior. Um, mm -hmm. Suddenly like American society almost as a whole, and I'm obviously I'm generalizing here, but it's, it's definitely reflected in films and television shows of like these like perplexed parents who don't know how to do anything. Um, I think that's actually extremely damaging. And I agree. People will think I'm being hyperbolic, I'm exaggerating, I'm saying this for effect, but I genuinely believe that that lack of parental authority, that loss of parental authority and parental wisdom is directly, directly, has directly led us to where we are now, where almost all of our institutions, if not all of our institutions, at least from the outside, look extremely corrupt, look extremely incompetent, and society seems to be falling apart at the seams. And I really think you can trace that back to the loss of parental, like common sense, parental authority in the home.
That's a really interesting, a really interesting notion. It, it um, I, I, there was another woman in somewhere in the UK who wrote a piece about child led um, parenting. In other words, the parents let the child lead and she tried it for a little while and she realized, wow, this isn't working very well. I mean, it's, as, it's, you know, if you let the child lead, the child's brain right. is not developed. We have, yeah. and we have so many contradictions. We have so many contradictions about a, a child and his or her brain. First of all, we think the child is, knows if it's transsexual as a toddler. Right. Right. I don't is, know how we can. So this nonsense. It, no, it, it, and it is. And, and okay. So let's drill down on that for a minute, because this is a, a phenomenon that's really exploding here in the post COVID lockdown era that we, that this whole notion of transgenderism has suddenly exploded. Now you, you if you're a transgender, that's I, fine. Live your life. But how do we explain this sudden, just exponential growth of the, of trans youth. And I don't know, you know, certainly in America, I don't know if you see it worldwide, but how would you explain it? Uh, Well, lockdowns were a key factor, but I think it's really important to say, first of all, that the, the, that we, we're, we're all throwing, you know, we're all throwing about this term transgender as if it's a, if it's one thing, it's it's the same as like, being gay, being sexually oriented towards the same sex. But transgender is not one type. It's not one thing. Um, it's an umbrella term that encompasses, you know, 10-year-old girls, 11, 12-year-old girls. It encompasses, you know, younger boys, six, seven, eight, who, who maybe are quite feminine and probably grow up to be gay. Um, and it encompasses grown-ass men uh, who married and had children and suddenly in middle age decide that they're women. I don't see what a man in his 50s who decides that he wants to become a woman has in common with an 11-year-old girl or a 12-year-old girl who may may or may not be on the spectrum who is terrified of the physical changes that her body is going through as a result of puberty. Those two people have nothing in common as far as I'm concerned. But we've been sold this idea that it's all one thing and we have to be completely accepting of it because it's better to let a 12-year-old or a 13 or 14, 15, 16-year-old girl cut off her breasts and boys do even worse things. Uh, so it's better to do that than than risk um, not accepting or not validating someone's idea of themselves. Um, I mean, the, again, lack of common sense. I mean, there, there's a great um, Instagram uh, Instagrammer called Becky Weiss, and she's a single mom and a lesbian, and she's a, a fitness, like a personal trainer, and she did this great reel where she was just like, "Okay, you know what you say? You say no. You just say no." You, if your child comes to you at 10 years old and says this thing, I think I need to take this course, you just say no. Uh, that is not, you're not doing that. Um, I think one of the reasons we see a lot of young, uh, like teenagers and younger kids adopting this ideology is because during lockdown, everyone was online all the time. And this is an online driven phenomenon, not so much with the elder, like the older men, although that too um, is dri- driven by, um, online subcultures, which I don't want to get into because they're so grotesque, um, but they're dark, you know, they're dark. But th- with kids, you know, these kids have became accustomed to living entirely online. And I think they and their families lost touch with reality. Yeah, kids are living yes. online. Um, and I know, yeah, kids are living online and there was a lot of loneliness and fear in the, in the ether 
because of lockdowns and um, uh, kids are impressionable. Kids are very impressionable and vulnerable to um, adults and other older kids who are presenting themselves as these cool, um, cool people who have, have all these like friends and, and ever, and because also I think kids are being taught in school, but they're taught too much about emotions and about feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having your feelings validated all of a sudden is the most important thing in the world where it's really not. No. <laughs> and that's not a very good lesson to teach children. Um, but that's a very prevalent um, idea on Instagram. And I think it's also coming in from the wider culture and from education systems as well. Um, and it's a no terrible question. Ter- terrible idea. It, it is. And it's, it's, this is not why we send our kids to school no. to deal with their feelings. That's, that's for the home. That's for the family that you yes. mentioned earlier. I just want to underscore something. You said you're an atheist. Well, I always was, and I'm wavering. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> wavering. Well, um, but my, I want to point out that this, that your perspectives are not coming from some no. uh, Christian evangelical point of view. You, no. You're, you're wavering, you're thinking, you're considering, you've started reading the Bible, which is really interesting to me because I, I've kind of started to dabble in it myself. I, I think there I think that there is nothing wrong with being either atheist or, or a believer. But what I do think is that, you know, happiness is really key to people's lives, to people's well-being, and however you find it. I've seen some of the poorest people on planet earth being some of the happiest. And I've seen some of the richest people on planet earth being the most miserable. So there, there are other things that make people happy outside of the material world. And I think that's really important, but that's, but, but you're coming at this, this subject of transgenderism, not from some place of right-wing Christianity. That's not where you're coming at it from. And I think that, that, that is really makes your, your view of this maybe more accessible to a lot of people. Probably not, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think it would make me just—it would just make me an apostate and worthy of burning even more because I dare to. Uh, no, do. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think you're worthy of burning. I think <laughs> I think you're incredibly smart. What one of the things that I have a problem with right now with all of this transgenderism and accepting the feelings and so forth—it's it, actually right now. It's not, it's gone beyond acceptance. It's gone to glamorizing. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, Drew Barrymore on her talk show the other day had on a trans woman who is so over the top and was complaining about how tough it is to be a woman. And, and Drew Barrymore got on her knees and knelt and hugged this person. Okay. So this is, and this, this glorification of this, we see advertisers, um, high-end fashion designers using models who have clearly had double mastectomies, you know, in their, with the stitches showing in their ads. Yeah. So this has gone beyond just acceptance and yes. maybe opening yes. the discussion wider. Yep. I think it's been, it's being glorified. What do you think? It's not just being glorified. It's being mandated. It's being um made it's being codified so it's now not just uh culturally and socially unacceptable um to say what reality is you uh in some cases it's it's downright illegal 
um, women in, in, in the United Kingdom um, get knocks on the door from the police if they misgender someone or um, say something mean to someone on Twitter on the gender issue because it's considered a hate crime. Um, thankfully, where you guys are, obviously, you, you still have the right to free speech, you know, in your in, in the Constitution. We don't have that here. Um, uh, so and, and, you know, families are being torn apart by, you know, in, in case the social service is stepping in. I mean, there's some really nightmare scenarios playing out. Um, across the English-speaking world as regards this issue. So it's not just acceptance. It's not just glorification. It is both of those things, but it's gone beyond that to a extreme extremist um, adopt, adaptation of this to the point where you are being forced by law and law enforcement to accept it. And uh, it, it, it's a very scary reality. I find it hard to really fully believe that things have gotten that crazy, but it seems that they have. I think the only way to really, I mean, fight back, I suppose is probably a little bit of a grandiose term, but the only way to even try and gain some ground back is just simply to say no, and I am going to state reality. So like Dylan Mulvaney is not a woman, and never will be, and never has been. Dylan Mulvaney is allowed as has a right to convince himself that he is one, but he isn't one. And more upsetting to me is that Drew Barrymore, who is such a figure of my childhood, is the same age as me, yeah. is going around yeah. and 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 genuflecting to to this religion. I mean, that's what it's become. It's, it's the, the the orthodoxy is so extreme. It is on par with the religion. But I never. I mean, I remember. I lived in in New York in the 1980s, and I remember the the rise of the Christian right, and I remember all that. I remember Reagan's uh, presidency. Um, never ever did this kind of insanity, this kind of level of orthodoxy. Um, really impinge upon people coming from the right as much as this is impinging now um, on people of all political stripes and all religions. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, we just have to stop going along with it. I, and, you know, we have to use our words <laughs> to, as we tell children, you know, use yeah, your you know, the, the, the issue becomes that other side uses their words back and they immediately label you homophobe, yes. transphobe, um, you name it, racist, white supremacist, misogynist, whatever sexist they yes. want to throw at you, yes. they throw it back. I think where we need to not only use our words, but to say to them, no, I'm sorry, that's not what I am. You can label me all you want. Right. You're not, I'm not backing down. Absolutely. I mean, those terms now, white supremacy, racism, racist, th those are becoming so overly used that they're losing their meaning, which is... Yeah tragic when you consider what real racism looks like, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I, Chris Rock put it beautifully when he said, you know, people that say words hurt haven't been punched in the nose. I mean, there's a there's a literal world in which we live. And then there's this, this, this world of this madness of people just hurling labels at others to get yeah. them to shut up. And in too many cases, it's worked. And yeah we need enough of us now. We need the safety yeah. numbers to stop letting it work. Yeah. 100%. And I, again, it's like, I mean, you just, people call you names. So what? Like, I feel like the, 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 this is going back to my idea of par parenting. I mean, obviously a lot of people get really canceled and they, their lives are destroyed. I'm, I'm not dismissing that reality, but when, when some, some person I don't know on Facebook or on Twitter 
tells me I'm a right wing, you know, Christian fascist. I'm like, yeah, I don't give a hoot what you think of me. (laughs) So we're, you know, have at it, like work away, you know, like unload. It doesn't matter because I know it's not true. We're going back to this parenting idea that kind of really took root in the eighties, which is like, nobody can harm this little person. Oh my God. And everything has to be, you know, no more bullying. And obviously no more bullying is a good idea, but then we've completely stripped people of the ability to defend themselves and to stand up. Yes. They've never had to do it when they were six. So now we have all these 35 year olds running around now who can't cope. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'm just a total battle axe, but like, I just don't no. think that, um, that that was ever a healthy idea. And it really seems to define the discourse. And the problem is that all that kind of that be nice and be kind. And I mean, it's been used, it's being used as a mask to hide the the very opposite of that, to hide absolutely no mercy, no humanity, no generosity. Like the the people who are pushing these ideologies, so you know, the, the, either whether it's CRT, you know, white children are bad are inherently bad, or you know, you can choose your gender when you're two, or whatever it is. Um, those are anti-human. They're anti-human, and they're the ones running around telling everyone else to be kind. I mean, it really is an obvious kind of like switcheroo and you know i think more and more people can't see it i i i hope and pray and i'm not super religious but i hope and pray that you are right that we are (laughs) that more and more people are seeing it i uh, look i I quit a really nice job to start a podcast in which i'm just scraping by here to elevate voices like yours, to elevate ideas like the ones you've articulated here, because it is so damn important. I feel like we're losing our sanity here. And I don't want to be around for us when we go really off the cliff. I want to, I want to save us from going off the cliff because we're really, really right on the edge right now as a society, as the Western world. And so this is why I want to elevate your Substack, Jenny Holland. So many incredibly well-written pieces, interesting, makes you think, and common sense. And I just love it. <laughs> and I hope you'll join us again because I'd love oh, to have more definitely. discussions with you. That you are, you you are really. You've got a great perspective and a really interesting um, point of view from where you sit, sitting Thank over there in you. Ireland. You're in Ireland, and yes. you know, go have a pint. And with your husband and, uh, and we will talk to you again. I I truly hope so. This has been great. I really appreciate you asking me on. I've been, I've had a lot of fun. Great, great. We'll do it again. She is Jenny Holland. You can find her at Substack. Saving culture from itself is the title of her Substack. And it is tremendously worth looking at every time she writes. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Sideline Sanity. And as hopefully as Jenny and I have tried to impart to you here today, the things I always say, be brave and do good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.